You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. It's moments like this that I want to be sensitive to. There's such a strong sense of his presence here today. But I want you to know that with his presence, there's purpose. Like, Lord doesn't just move us into his presence like this so that we can feel good and go home the same. Come on, somebody. Like, when there's strong moves like this, it's God preparing us for something. There's a purpose with his presence. And I don't find it a coincidence that his presence is so strongly here. And today we're talking about missions. And the the point, church, is this, is that when God calls you to something, when he calls us as a church to something, there's an equipping that takes place. Because none of us are qualified. Come on, somebody. When, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, like, I can't help but, like, just, I mentally get, like, this picture of the disciples being like, go into all the world, because we're qualified to do that. Jesus, we can't even agree on dinner plans. Go into all the world. And then he gives the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's the equipping. His presence has purpose, church. Would you pray with me? Father, whatever it is that you're moving us toward, may we posture ourselves now to say yes. There's something being stirred up in this place. And Lord, there is a lost and broken world around us that needs you. So today, would you equip us you give us the words to speak? Give us the boldness. May your Holy Spirit anointing flow freely and abundantly. As God, we recognize as Moses said, Lord, unless your presence goes before us, we're doomed. We're destined to fail unless your presence goes before us. So wherever wherever it is that you lead, to the left, to the right, wherever it is that you lead, Lord Jesus, wherever it is that your presence leads, may we follow. In Jesus' precious and holy name, and everybody said, would you give God some glory this morning? He is so good. He is so good. Like You can be seated if you can. If you're able to be seated, you can be seated. Is it not just so incredibly humbling that I was sharing with the worship team this morning that, like, God uses us. Like that, like for for our media pastor, write that down. That's going to be a new sermon series I'm going to preach. I just decided now. God uses us. Like, and that is just so humbling that his spirit is in us that he speaks through us. Do you know how broken and messed up we are? Come on, somebody.
Like, how many of y'all are perfect? Oh, yeah. If you just said yes, you're excused, (laughs) and we will attend your seminar in the parking lot after the service. Like, we're all a little messed up. Tell your neighbor, you're a little messed up. Definitely messed up. And yet, in spite of this, he still equips us. How many of you are thankful that God never gives up on us? And he keeps using us. And he keeps speaking the fact that his spirit lives in us. My goodness. But hey, I could preach that sermon today, but I'm not on the calendar to preach today. I am so excited to introduce you to Pastor Jesse, who's going to be bringing a little bit of the word this morning. I asked Jesse, he and I had the opportunity uh, a couple months ago, I was at a conference and I sat down and our friend uh, Jason Torville, he came over and he said, listen, you know Jesse? I go, I don't know Jesse. He's like, come meet Jesse. I'm like, I'll meet Jesse. So we come over and we sit down at the table and, and, and I'm like, tell me about yourself, Jesse. And he begins to tell me about this incredible missions initiative. And then I hear who his grandfather was, is Jesse, what's your grandfather's last name? Owens, Jesse Owens. And years ago, I had the incredible opportunity to preach with Jesse Owens. And we were at the, I was at this church, I was pastoring in this church, and we did something called a preach-off, where me and two other pastors, Jesse being one of them, we did five-minute segments on different topics and preached. And I had the opportunity to preach with your grandfather. And I remember being like, this guy is incredible. This is awesome. So that connection already put you on the radar. But then I sat down, and, and I, I heard Jesse, his testimony and what God has brought him through and the missions calling on your life and what God is doing in Africa. And and you know how crazy this guy is? Like he leaves this evening for Kenya, right? Like with his whole family, they're going to Kenya. So thank you so much, Jesse, for being here today, sharing your heart. Thank you so much for your heart of missions. We're so excited to partner with you and what God is doing. Would you give it up for Jesse? Make him feel welcome as he comes this morning to share. Hallelujah. Wow. What a powerful time in the presence of the Lord. I like you guys. <laughs> I like you guys, man. This, this is awesome. The Bible says that when you come together, each one has a hymn, a word, a word of encouragement, a revelation, a tongue, and an interpretation. Each thing must be done for the strengthening of the church. And God has already spoken so powerfully this morning, I feel almost unnecessary. We, we, we could have just kept going. I would have been perfectly happy just worshiping and let people keep bringing words. I mean, what an awesome time in God's presence. I met, I met Pastor Donnie, and I see my friend Pastor Mark. I know he doesn't want to be called out, but I'm going to call him out in the back there. It's good to see you, Pastor Mark. <laughs> I met Pastor Donnie uh, just, just a few months back, and I, I don't know if he felt the same, but to me it was like we were instantly friends. And if he didn't feel the same, i take it back. But to me, it just felt like we were instantly friends. And so I'm so excited. And then to come and to be here and to see what God is doing in C3 is such a privilege. You guys know this is special. What God is doing, the way that God is moving in your midst is special. You guys are part of something that's special. Amen? And so I'm just thankful I get to be a part of it with you this morning. Amen. Listen, I, I, got, I got a lot I want to cover, and I have a short time frame, 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm used to Africa and India and the places I go to. There's places, there's places that I go preach that if you, if you only preach for an hour, they're like, what's wrong with this guy? He didn't even get through his intro. <laughs> you know, I go over there, they're like, can you preach for two or three hours? Yeah, sure, no problem. Give me a microphone, point me in the direction, right? I, I come back to America, they say, can you preach for 30 minutes? I, I don't know. I, I will try. I'll do my best. But I have, I have a lot that I want to cover this morning, and it's my first time here. I know you guys don't know me or know the, or know the work that we do, so I want to start out. I just want to share as quickly as I can. I want to share my testimony with you. You guys want to hear? You guys want to hear my testimony? Amen. So my testimony is that I am 100% totally, completely, unconditionally loved by God. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm his son. Like, I'm, I'm totally accepted in the beloved. Like, Jesus paid a price 2,000 years ago so that I could be totally forgiven, totally redeemed, totally accepted by God. He's made me a part of a kingdom of priests and prophets. That's my testimony. Huh. My testimony is that I am a, a laid-down, sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. <sighs> I used to be a drug dealer. <laughs> but that's not my testimony. Uh, church, I'm trying to tell you this because some of you have been getting your testimony wrong. Okay? The Bible says that, that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Nobody is overcoming the devil because they used to be an idiot. Every time I tell my testimony, every time I tell my story, right, there's always one person who wants to come up afterwards and say, that's nothing. You have no, this is how bad I was. And I want to jump up and down and shout hallelujah because I finally found a bigger idiot than me, right? <laughs> the word of your testimony is the word of the gospel. It's the word that Jesus Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago. It's the word that every one of you, Ephesians 2, says you were all dead. Every one of you was dead, but Jesus has made us alive. God has made us alive together with Christ. The word of your testimony is the word of the testimony of the blind man in John chapter 9 when the Pharisees are questioning him and he says, listen, I don't know the answers to your questions, but one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. <laughs> That's your testimony. I don't want to hear anybody say I don't have a testimony because you got the same testimony that I have. I was blind and now I see. I was dead and now I'm alive. I was lost and now I'm found. I was one way and now I'm a different way. Hallelujah. I used to be a drug addict. I was addicted to everything from painkillers to weed to cocaine to ecstasy, everything in between. I was a criminal. I had multiple felonies on my records. I was in and out of prison, right? But that's not my testimony. Church, the reason I say that that's not my testimony is because I want you to understand this morning that that guy, the drug addict, the drug dealer, the criminal, died 14 years ago.
And he has nothing to do with the person that's standing in front of you today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. That's my testimony. And that's the gospel church. That, listen, I never, like, found Jesus and tried to be better. Like, Jesus found me, and I couldn't stay the same, right? It's, it's not just one of many religions you can pick from and try to follow the rules. It's a life-changing encounter with a living God where God himself fills you with himself, and you're born again, and you can't stay the same. The, the gospel is incredibly simple, church. It's, it's, it's so simple that a child can understand it. Sometimes we, we want to get religious and, and, you know, we say, no, 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 you can't really understand. You're just a child. You can't be baptized. You're just a child. You don't really understand like me. But Jesus flips it on its head, right? He says, no, 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 you can't be baptized unless you understand like them, right? <laughs> There's a story in the Gospels that I love, and if you put all, it's, it's in multiple Gospels, but if you put it all together, you get the whole picture, right? And so what, what happens is the 12 disciples had gone out, and God was using them in some amazing ways. They were seeing miracles, all this stuff, and they come back together, and now they're arguing amongst themselves about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God, right? So this is the scene. Like, Peter's like, no, you guys don't understand. I saw blind. I, I saw this. I saw this miracle. I saw this miracle. I'm clearly the greatest. And John's like, no, 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 Peter, I'm clearly the greatest. And they're arguing. And I don't know whose idea it was, but someone has the bright idea and says, let's ask Jesus. Uh, church, they say there are no stupid questions. <laughs> that is dangerously close to a stupid question, right? And so the 12 disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, Who's the greatest? In other words, Jesus, you have 12 options, right? Out of us 12, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus looks. He doesn't like his options. <laughs> so the Bible says he finds a young child, and placing him in the midst of them, he gave himself another option. And he looks again, and he says, this child, and unless you can become like this child, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You, you see, church, children excel in simplicity. As, as we grow and as we're taught, we begin to excel in complexity. But we lose our ability to grasp simplicity. And so, and so Jesus says we have to be able to simply accept the gospel. The gospel is so simple that we've had to hire a lot of highly paid professionals to come in and overcomplicate it for us. But it's really simple. Like, Jesus died on a cross, rose on the third day, so now whoever believes in him is born again to a living hope. Right? I, I, I was born again, church, 14 years ago in a prison chapel. <laughs> It was my third time incarcerated, and my cellmate invited me to go to the chapel with him, and he was far from a Christian, but God used him in this scenario because he got me to go to the chapel. And, and I went to the chapel, and I was sitting there, and, and I, nobody talked to me or nobody prayed for me, but I was sitting there, and I was having a moment of what I, I wouldn't have called then, but now I understand, was repentance. Right? And I was sitting as they were playing worship, and I began to think, like, I don't want this life anymore. 
I don't want the drugs. I don't want the money. I, don't, I, I wanted to turn away from evil in that moment, right? And in that moment of repentance, the Holy Spirit hit me like a truck. And I, I'm telling you, it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I could feel the power and the manifest presence of God coursing through my entire body like electricity, right? Like, like Paul getting knocked off his horse, right? Like God knocked me off my horse in this moment. I, I, and when I felt that, when I felt the manifest presence, when I felt the power of God for the first time, I said, that's what I've been searching for. Church, I've come to understand something. You know, we believe in God. We also believe, of course, in the devil, right? And one thing I've come to understand about the devil is that he's a, he's a fake. He's a phony. He's an imitator. That's been his M.O. from the beginning. He imitates, right? He imitated God and got a third of the angels to follow him. He imitated the snake in the garden, right? The, the Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light, right? The Bible says he prowls around like a lion. He's not the lion, the lion's with me, right? <laughs> but he prowls like one. He's a fake, right? And I've come to understand that every high is a cheap imitation of the freedom and of the joy that we're meant to encounter in the presence of the living God. And when I felt it for the first time, I said, that's what I've been searching for all these years. <sighs> And in a prison chapel, I don't even know how I know to do this, but in, in, in a prison chapel, I said, I have to get on my knees in front of everybody. There's like 50 felons. Like, some of these guys are killers. This is a state penitentiary, right? And so in front of all these guys, I got on my knees and I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I was on my knees for about 20 minutes, and I had my eyes closed. And as I was on my knees, I clearly saw, with my eyes closed, I clearly saw Jesus standing in front of me. And, and, and I always believed that there was a God. You know, I had a grandfather who was a preacher. You know, I always believed that there was some sort of God out there, right? But I believed I didn't like him, and I believed he certainly didn't like me, right? But when Jesus appeared to me, there was no anger. There was no condemnation. There, there, there was no judgment. There was only an invitation. Jesus stuck out his hand, and he said three words to me. He said, are you ready? Hmm. Hmm. And I said, yes. And I stood up, church, like 15 minutes later, a new person. <clears throat> I, I went from, like, selling cigarettes on the yard and doing the stupid stuff that you do in prison, right, to, like, I was on my bed reading the Bible, praying, reading Christian books, like, smiling at people. Everyone thought I went nuts, right? They're, they're like, don't talk to Jesse. He finally snapped, right? But like, and I didn't fully understand what was different about me. I just knew that I was, I mean, I stood up praying in other tongues, right? Like, I just knew that I was different, right? And, and I got out by the grace of God. They let me out two weeks later, right? And I got out two weeks later. And my life changed rapidly. And it, again, it wasn't that I tried. It's just that I couldn't stay the same. Like when I got out, because I, did, I, I didn't have discipleship yet. I didn't really understand. When I got out, I called my friends. I said, yo, I'm out. They said, oh, come over. We'll throw a party, right? So I go over to my friend's house. They open a bottle of Hennessy. They light a blunt. They pass it to me. And I'm drinking the Hennessy, smoking the blunt. Like, no, you guys don't understand. I met Jesus. Right? Like, like something's different, guys. Like, this is real, man. 
right? And I'm smoking the blood telling him about Jesus. And, and, and at some point I looked down and I was like, this is stupid. I don't need this anymore. And God, one by one, over the course of the next six months, he took out everything out of my life that was against him. Within one year, church, I was in Bible college. Not only was I in Bible college, I was president of my class in the Bible college a year after my last time in prison. Like, that's nuts, right? Like, only God can do that. To give you an idea, in high school, I had a 1.0 GPA. (laughs) Not 1.1, right? One point, and I was proud, man. I graduated. I was proud of my 1.0 GPA. And I think really I only had that because the teachers were like, just give him a D so we don't have to see him again, right? And so, so, so I had a 1.0 GPA, and in Bible college I had a 4.0 GPA. And I'm not telling you that to brag because I know who I am without Christ. I'm the 1.0 guy, right? But that's the difference that Jesus can make in a life. I met my beautiful wife in Bible college. We fell in love doing evangelism together. Uh, We got engaged. By the way, she wanted so badly to be here this morning, but as pastor said, we're leaving for Africa today. So she's at home preparing, packing, getting the kids ready. But hopefully uh, next time I come, if I'm invited again, hopefully she'll be with me and uh, and you guys will get to meet her. But I met her in Bible college. And uh, and when we were engaged, the Lord called us to missions. He called us to, he spoke to me in prayer. I went to Germany actually with my grandfather, Jesse Owens. I went on a short-term missions trip with him for two weeks to Germany, and God moved so powerfully. It was like a revival. Uh, we, ha- we saw like in this little town, we saw 60 young people come to Christ, which if that was one of my Africa crusades, I would be very disappointed at that number. But in Germany, that's a revival, right? And so we saw like 60 young people come to Christ uh, in this small town, and, uh, and it was just amazing. And then the Lord ended up calling me. He spoke to me in prayer and said, you're going to move here on January 15th. And start a church in this town. This was in August, right? January 15th was like a couple months away, right? So, so I told Hillary, who was my fiance, and she said, well, I'm coming with you. I said, I said okay, well, then we have to get married, right? So, we, so in two months, we planned our wedding and got married. And then we had like three months to raise a budget or just try to figure out how we're going to live in Germany, right? The good thing was I knew like two pastors that I could call. So, so I didn't have a network. I didn't have anyone. Not one person said they were going to support us when we bought our tickets. We spent all the money we had on one-way tickets to Germany for January 15th. <laughs> Without one promise of support, church. Not a $20 pledge. Nothing. Right? <laughs> and we lived in Germany for four and a half years. I could tell you all the testimonies, but I don't have time. We lived in Germany for four and a half years by faith. And we never ran out of money. We planted a church in in Germany. God miraculously provided for the church plant, right? And then then about six or so years ago, I came home. God called us home to America to transition into the leadership of global renewal. And it has been an explosion ever since. Like, it's it's just amazing what God has done. And, And before I get to that, a lot of people ask me, why did, how, why did you change so quickly? 
right? Because that's not everyone's, that's not everyone's experience. First of all, I understand God works differently with different people, but there's one thing that I think that I did, and it's surrender. Church, my life was terrible, right? Like, I was like in prison, right? Like, so for me, surrender was easy. It was like, God, I don't even know why you want my life, but if you want it, it's yours, right? Take my life, take my time, take my money, take my future. Whatever you say, I'll do it if you really want this life. But church, that's the only thing that God needs from us. The only thing he needs is your surrender. The only thing he needs is your yes. And if you come to God in that way, you know, a lot of people, one of the challenges in America church, I, I see the church all over the world, there's different challenges. The American church has a lot of strengths. Sometimes we bash the American church too much, right? There's a lot of strengths here as well, but one of the challenges is that it's too easy to be a Christian in America. So, so there's a lot of people in our churches who have never surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. And rather than making Jesus their Lord, they've just tried to sprinkle a little Jesus on top of their lives. Like, show me in the Bible where Jesus says, I just want to be a part of your life. He says, give me your life. And he says, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And that's the only thing that I know that I did. Because, uh, church, to be honest with you, you know, people think I know what I'm doing. Half the time I have no idea what I'm doing. But <laughs> that's, a, that's a little secret I'll let you in on. Most of the time I don't know what I'm doing. But I know that if I surrender, if I stay in a place of prayer, it always seems to work out. Right? <laughs> so, so that's the only thing I did. But anyway, since I got back from America, it has just been an explosion of what God has, has done. So to give you an idea... Uh, in four, we planted our first church in Germany. It took us four and a half years to plant one church. When we got back, we planted one church in one year in Nepal. And then the next year, we planted 12 churches in three different nations, all in majority Muslim and Hindu areas. And now, church, 14 years into this thing, God has enabled us to plant dozens of churches on four different continents, Right? Mostly in Muslim and Hindu places. Not only, not only, we've seen thousands of people come to Christ in the Crusades. I've seen every miracle. If you can name it, I've seen it. Right? Like, it is so awesome what God is doing. Not only in that, but we've also been able to start three rescue homes rescuing girls from human trafficking, sexual slavery, and sexual abuse. This is something that God, like, burned in my heart when I was in Bible college. Like, he gave me such a burden for sex trafficking, to, to rescue girls from sex trafficking. And, uh, and we, we've been working hard for the last seven years, and God has empowered us to rescue over 3,000 underage girls from sex trafficking. We have three homes. We have one, uh, two in India and one in Uganda. And I actually just got back from our home in India uh, last Tuesday. So last week I got home, and tonight I leave again for Kenya. But last week I got home from our home in India, and it was so powerful. I love visiting this home. It's, it, it, it's one of the most amazing displays of the power of the gospel you can ever see. 
to see these girls who I know their stories. I know what they were rescued from, right? I mean, these are girls who, who, who in many cases were raped a dozen times a day as children, not even teenagers. <clears throat> I know their stories, right? And to see them laughing and playing and, and worshiping God is one of the most powerful displays of the gospel I've ever seen in my life. There was one day on this last trip, I, I had the privilege, man, to take all of our girls to the, to the amusement park. If you go to the, do we have slides? If you go to the next slide, there should be a slide. Go to the next, that's my beautiful family. Wait, hold on, go back real quick. Let me look at them. Let me look at them for one moment. That's my beautiful wife, Hillary. We have two kids, well, two born kids. We have Ellie, who's seven, and Joey, who's five, and James, who's on the way. <laughs> and actually, Hillary and Kylie are due at the same time, which is pretty awesome. But go to the next slide. Uh, these are our girls, right? We got to take them to, to an amusement park in India, and uh, we took 85 girls plus the staff. We have, we have 45 girls in our under-18 home in India. We have 11 girls in our over-18 home, and then we have 30 girls in our prevention program in the slums, and we were able to take all of our girls to the amusement park, and I'm telling you to watch the joy on their faces and the, the, the key leader of our work in India said, you don't understand, these girls could have never hoped to go to an amusement park. <laughs> and to be able to do that and see them laugh, and, and some of them were screaming because they've never been on a ride, but to see, to see them laugh and have fun was such a tremendous privilege. If you go to the next slide, uh, I want to show you one of, oh, I took it out. Okay, never mind. Well, there, I was going to show you one of our girls. Um, who is who is so precious, and this girl, I think she's about six or seven years old, uh, and we just rescued her less than a year ago, but when we found her, uh, she was on the streets, and she had open wounds on her head from being beaten um, that, were, that were untreated, so there were dozens, if not hundreds of worms crawling under the skin on her scalp, and so our team rescued her and had to pull out dozens, if not hundreds of worms from under her skin. And I wish I had this picture in here still. i got to get that back in for second service because if you see her now with the smile on her face, it's so beautiful. Amen? Amen. And by the way, uh, on the table, on the way out, i I gotta, I got to move on. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. But <laughs> if you have questions about that ministry, you can stop by the table. We actually have jewelry that's made by our girls. Uh, it's available by donation. One of our things that we want to do is we don't want to just rescue them from a bad past. We want to give them the hope of a good future, right? And so our motto is rescue, renew, restore. We want to rescue them from slavery, renew them in a relationship with Christ, and restore them to society, right? And so we give them a trade. They all go to school. They get, you know, we make sure they get good grades on their exams. We give them a trade. Uh, they learn how to sew. They learn how to make jewelry. They learn beautician courses. Every opportunity, we've sent some of them to nursing school. Like every opportunity, we can give these girls to have a good future. So one of the things they do is make the jewelry. When I go, I buy all the jewelry they've made, and I kind of bring it back. It's available by donation on the way out uh, this morning. Amen? Amen. All right, I want to share, I want to share, I still got to get into the Word for at least a few minutes, but I want to share about, I'm almost done with my intro, Pastor. I'm going to be quick. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be quick. I'm going to be quick. 
<laughs> I want to share about our last uh, crusade and church planting trip to Butalesia, Uganda. And this trip was special, man. I loved this trip because I was warned so much about Butalesia before going, right? Like the, my, my people in Uganda were like, uh, uh, Jesse, can, can we consider going somewhere else <laughs> in Uganda, right? The, they told me it's the worst witchcraft in all of Uganda. They told me that it's, it's majority Muslim. It's all these reasons why we shouldn't go to Butalesia. I said, I, said, I just smile because I get excited when I hear that at this point because I've come to understand that light shines brighter where it's darkest. Right? So I just get excited when I hear that. Like, God is going to do something amazing in Butalesia. Of course, I take it seriously. I fast, I pray, but I get excited inside because I know that my God is bigger than the darkness. Church, some people serve a really small God and they're afraid of a really big devil. That's backwards. We serve a really big God and we fight against a defeated devil. It's not a fair fight, it's not a power struggle. God is not sweating in Butalesia. <laughs> it's not difficult for God to move in Butalesia. So I just get excited. I asked them, I said, how many people can I expect at the crusade? They said, only like five or 600. I said, okay, we'll see. On the third night of the crusade, we had 3,000 people in attendance because miracles were breaking out. And when people heard about the miracles, when people heard about the deliverance, people were coming from far away. There was one woman... She heard about the miracles. She took her daughter out of the hospital who, had, who was on like death's doorstep with malaria. And she wasn't getting better in the hospital. She heard about the miracles in the crusade. She took her daughter out of the hospital, brought her to the crusade, and she was instantly 100% healed. In the crusade. I'm telling you, church, everything in Butalesia was so easy. Ever, there was no power struggle at all. We showed up and the lights turned on. Anthony can attest he was there. People got saved so easily, right? Like I've never seen Muslims come to Christ so easily. I've never baptized so many Muslims in one weekend, right? And these, and these Muslims were coming to Christ. They said, we want to be baptized. We have to change our names. They like changed their names from Muhammad to like Peter, right? Like, <laughs> they didn't want to be Muhammad anymore, right? And everything was easy. The miracles happened easily. Deliverance happened easily. On the third night of the crusade, we saw over 1,000 people 100% healed in an instant. I'm going to show you a video in just a second. You're going to see. I'm going to show you a video in just one second. We had, I preached at the third night of the crusade. I preached on Philip going to Samaria, and I told them about a city that was mesmerized by witchcraft. But at the end of, of Philip preaching, when they saw true power, they all repented and believed, including the witch doctor. And I told them, that's going to be the testimony of Butalesia. And wouldn't you know, on our last day there, the witch doctor came and repented and was delivered from demons. <laughs> And was baptized in water. Hallelujah. All right, I, I, I could go on, but I'm just going to show you a very quick video, and then I got I to gotta wrap up quickly. So can you play that video? Amen. For the first time, this week, if you were born again for the first time, I want you to wave both hands in the sky. 
Amen. If you were born again for the first time, chills every time I watch that video and I was there. <laughs> and listen, church, if you ever want to come on one of these trips, you are welcome. I bring a team on every trip. It will change your life. If you're able, you got to come on one of these trips. When we're over there, I always say, like, there's no difference from what I read in the book of Acts to what we're seeing take place, right? And that's a powerful thing to experience. Amen? So, so I want to, I want to, I want to read a scripture. I'm, I'm just going to be very quick, but I want to read a scripture in Matthew chapter five. <clears throat> and by the way, we're going, we're going, as I said, to Kenya this evening. So I got to be shorter in the second service. Um, <laughs> but again, we're going to Kenya this evening uh, to, to the darkest place we can get to in Kenya, right? We're, we're going to the Muslim area. We're going to the coastal region because we want to start planting churches and having crusades up the coast of Kenya towards Somalia where it gets more and more Muslim the further you go up the coast, right? So we're starting in Mombasa, and we'll make our way north in Kenya. Amen? <laughs> Church, I want, I want to read you this passage in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. I know you've heard it, but I want to read it again. 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, you are the light of the world. This is a powerful statement that Jesus makes because up until now, uh, it was just known that Jesus was the light of the world. John 1 says Jesus is the light. He's the true light that gives light to all men. But now Jesus is saying to his followers, you are the light of the world. You are light, church. It, it's, it's your nature to be light. It's your nature to shine. It's not just that you're in the light. It's that you are the light. It's your substance, right? 
That's a really powerful thought because I've come to understand a few things about the nature of light church. People ask me, aren't you scared to go to these places? No. (laughs) First of all, I died 14 years ago. How could I be scared today? Right? And second of all, I've come to understand a few things about the nature of light. The first thing is, is that light can never be afraid of darkness. It's impossible. For light to be afraid of darkness would be foolish, right? Because all darkness is is the absence of light. Church, there's never been a darkness so dark that it overcame a source of light. You can be surrounded by a hundred people who are in darkness, and just you are in the light, and the atmosphere has to change. Because the light showed up, right? One light changes the entire atmosphere. No one ever says, I heard someone say, no one ever says, turn the darkness down. They say, turn on the lights. Hallelujah. Church, there's never been a darkness that was so dark that it overcame light. I want to share one more testimony of someone who was walking in darkness. If you go to the next slide. Go to, it might be the last slide. Go to the young lady that's standing with me. Yeah, there you go, Daphne. <laughs> Anthony remembers Daphne. Daphne, we met in Butalasia, and, and, and she had heard of the miracles and the deliverances that, that were happening. So she sought us out, and she came to us in the church building. We planted a church there, so she came to us in the church building one morning, and she said, I need to talk. She found me. She said, I need to talk to you. And she sat me down, and she told me her story of being raised by her aunt and her grandfather who were heavily into witchcraft and demon worship. And they performed rituals on her. Her mom used to make her lay still while she cut her with razor blades. Like the worst upbringing you could ever imagine this this girl had, right? Her, Her grandfather tied a string around her waist as part of a curse when she was very little. And now even though her grandfather had passed away, she still had this string tied around her waist because he told her if she ever took it off, she'd be filled with all sorts of demonic spirits. So I don't really understand all that stuff, but that's, that's the story I was told. So she had this string around her waist, so I told the, the translator, go with her to the bathroom, and if the string is really there, cut it off and bring it back. So they went to the bathroom, they come back holding this string, right? And they give me the string, and I lit it on fire. And when I lit the string on fire, Daphne began to manifest demons and throw herself around violently and speak in different voices and all this kind of stuff, right? And she was totally delivered in Jesus' name. She was born again. She was born again. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And church, I'm telling you, I literally watched this little girl go from an empty shell of a human being to the most joyful kid in town in an instant. Like, when she came, she was so empty. She was so broken. But she got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, and she was smiling from ear to ear from that point on. Everywhere we went, Daphne was following us, right? It was unacceptable for us to do anything or go anywhere without Daphne. And now, by the grace of God, we were able to see her delivered, and now she's living with the pastor of the church that we planted. Hallelujah. You don't have to be scared of darkness, church. There was literally at this last crusade as I was preaching, there was people in the audience who were cursing me. They were like, they were waving branches. 
and doing whatever weird stuff they do. And, and I just laughed at them. I was like, I told them from the stage, I said, there's people out here cursing us. I said, if that could hurt me, I'd be dead a long time ago. Good luck. There's more power in the name of Jesus, and no undeserved curse can land. <laughs> and when the people of Butalasia saw that light is more powerful than darkness, the whole town repented. Hallelujah. Church, you are the light of this world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. It's your nature to shine. But then Jesus says, nobody lights a lamp and puts it underneath a basket. Church, why does nobody put a basket over the light? Because it's impossible for darkness to overcome light unless the light is hidden. As soon as the light is hidden, darkness can win in the atmosphere. Nobody puts a basket over their light because they understand that then the atmosphere will be dark again. Church, don't be a basket case. You were called to shine. You were called to change the atmosphere wherever you go. If people tell me, no, but you don't understand, my workplace is so dark, that's because you're not shining. One light can overcome all of the darkness and change the entire atmosphere. Hallelujah. And then, and then Jesus says, let your good works be seen before man. I'm skipping a lot because I know i got to close. But <laughs> Jesus says, let your good works be seen before man so that they can give glory to your Father in heaven. Church, when you begin to shine the love of Jesus, when you begin to let your light shine wherever you are, it will cause people to worship the Father. Just by you shining, people will begin to worship your Father. And I've come to understand that God is always, he's, he's, he's all about two things, loving people and being praised, right? And when you begin to love people, it will cause them to praise. But church, it's time to shine. I, 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 I believe the Bible says you did not inherit a spirit of fear but of boldness and of love and of a sound mind. What does that mean? That means that fear is a spirit. And it's the same spirit that the devil has used to get the church to shut up for thousands of years. And the crazy thing is, church, it's the same spirit that's at work in the church. Wherever I go, it's no different. It doesn't matter if the fear is being made fun of or the fear is being beheaded, right? It's the same spirit that comes against the church. Fear does not have to be rational because fear is a spirit. There's no rational reason to be afraid in America of sharing your faith. There's no rational reason. But it doesn't matter because it's not rational. It's a spirit. But when you understand it's a spirit, you know how to fight against it. Amen? When you understand it's a spirit, the Bible says resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And eventually he will flee from you. When you understand that fear is a spirit, you can step out more quickly. Resist the devil. And eventually that fear leaves. 
Church, people see me today and they say, it's easy for you to say you're fearless. This is 14 years of refusing to give in to fear. I remember when I first started evangelizing, I was so scared. All I could do was hand out tracks. <laughs> this is a guy, like, I, I got arrested for kicking a drug dealer's door in, right, and beating him up and taking everything he had. And now I'm so scared to, to share my faith. <clears throat> but I made a choice. I'm not going to give in to it. And now 14 years later, I remember the first time I went to Yumbe, Uganda, which is a 90% Muslim city, and I preached in front of the central mosque. And the people from the mosque came out, and they were yelling at us, and everyone was trying to pull me away. And I was saying, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> and I led people to Christ in front of this central mosque. And I got back home after that trip, and I, I was in prayer, and I started laughing. And I said, God, I don't think I remember what fear feels like anymore. <sighs> But church, that's 14 years of refusing to give in to it. Refusing to let fear get me to shut my mouth. Church, I believe that we are in the last of the last days. Can I get the band? I, I, need, I need the band to come up so I remember to stop talking. Church, I believe that we are in the last of the last days. I don't know if Jesus is coming back this year or in a hundred years, but we're in the last hours, right? And Jesus says we have to work the works of him who sent Jesus, the works of God, while it's still daytime. Night is coming when we can't work anymore. Right now we're in the daytime, in the appointed time to work. Soon is coming our time to rest. Night is the time to rest, right? Our time to rest is coming. But right now, we have to work the works of him who sent us. And church, I believe that there's going to be an end times army that rises up in the church. I believe there's going to be a group of people that rises up that is sick of being told that we can talk about anything except the only thing that matters. That's going to be sick of being silenced and is going to stand up and shine like Jesus called us to. That's going to open our mouths and proclaim the gospel and love people out loud and not only love them, but tell them why we love them right? It's not just enough to be nice. You got to tell them why you're nice. <clears throat> church, it's time for the church to take the baskets off. Nobody at your workplace, everybody else is supposed to live their truth out loud. Live your truth out loud. And everyone else is supposed to come out the closet. We're supposed to go into it. Uh, Enough is enough, church. Stop being bullied into silence. You are the light. Jesus says nobody puts a light under a basket but on a post so that it gives light to all who are in the house. What is the house? You're the light of the world collectively, but individually, your purpose is to give light to your house. What's your house? Wherever you are. Your sphere of influence, your workplace, your neighborhood, the Walmart, where, wherever you are, that's your house. And if it's dark, it's because you're not shining. Church, it's time to take the baskets off to begin to open up your mouths and your workplaces. Even if you get fired, what better reason is there to get fired? You think God's going to let you starve because you got fired for preaching? 
Stand to your feet this morning, church. I got to close in prayer. We're going to end with a song this morning. I want to pray for a couple things very quickly before we go into this, this final song. The first thing that I want to pray for is if you're here today, I don't know where you're at with the king. Maybe there's some people here who have never made Jesus the Lord of their lives. Maybe, you, maybe this is your first time hearing that Jesus died on a cross for you. Or maybe you've, you're one of those many people who just sort of sprinkled a little Jesus on top. I believe God is asking you the same question this morning that he asked me 14 years ago. Are you ready? Are you ready to surrender to him? Are you ready to make him the Lord of your life? And I'm going to ask you, if that's you today, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand so we can pray together. If you're here today and you say, I'm ready. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I will follow him. I want to give him my future. I want to give him my time. I'm sick of keeping my life for myself. With all your heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you say, I need to make Jesus Lord, would you just lift up your hand wherever you are? Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on a cross for my sins and rose on the third day. And I ask you to forgive me today. And I give you my life. From this day forward, I will live for you. You are my Lord. I give you my time. I give you my affection. I give you my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God a round of applause. And as we close with this song, let's just going to say, God, I'm available. Make that the cry of your heart today. And I'll be down here in the front together with Anthony. If anyone's here, if you've been, if you feel like you've just been bound by fear and anxiety and that you haven't been able to overcome that, I would love, I would love to pray for you and believe God to break that thing off of you today. In Jesus' name. I want you to know, church, it is never God's will for you to be afraid. He commands, don't be afraid more than any command in Scripture. So if that's you and you've been struggling with fear, struggling with anxiety, just quickly during this last song, I want to invite you to come down to the front. We'd love to pray for you, and we're going to believe God to break that thing off of you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's just worship him and make this the cry of our heart. If that's you, you can begin to come. But let's just worship him and make this the cry of our heart. God, I am available. That's right. Hallelujah. That's right. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh 
or email us at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.